you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com. The ChrisVossShow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends, my loved ones, my joyous audience, and the uh, music didn't fade this time, so there's that. Uh, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the big podcast tent in the sky. Uh, today, we have an amazing gentleman on the show. He's going to expand your mind, make you smarter and more brilliant, and Reverend Heaven knows. I don't know why heaven would know this, but I don't know. I've heard rumors that uh, if you're smarter, you're sexier to whoever you want to be sexy to. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. The lawyer said I can half say that, but if you sue me, I don't know. You better be hot. I don't even know what any of this means. I'm just doing a ramble, as we always do anonymously. At the beginning, or randomly, randomly and anonymously, I don't know. It's still on the show. Uh, yes. <laughs> The segues we do just to get the plugs in. Uh, go to goodreads.com for chess Chris Voss. Refer them to your family, friends, and relatives and tell them it's because you love them, even if you don't. I've seen your relatives. Uh, go to youtube.com for says Chris Voss. LinkedIn.com for says Chris Voss. Uh, we're on that new threads over there at the Instagram, the Twitter copy. <laughs> Six months from now, people will be like, that went out of business. Um, and then we're also on TikTok as well. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Uh, he is the amazing author of the newest book that is just uh, coming out here fairly soon. And uh, the book is entitled Notes on Complexity, a scientific theory of connection, consciousness, and being. May 9th, it is coming out, and uh, you can check it out. In fact, I think it's already out now, technically. Neil Thies is on the show with us today. People watch these videos 10 years from now. They'll never know what date we were doing the show. <laughs> They're never going to. I still got people making comments on 10-year-old videos. So Neil Thies is on the show with us today. He's going to be talking about his latest book. He is a professor of pathology or uh uh, that's his path, eh? I don't know. That's the best joke I got there, people. Uh, he works at the NYU Grossman School of Medicine. Through his scientific research, he is a pioneer of adult stem cell plasticity and the anatomy of the human interstitium. Did I say that right? Interstitium. Interstitium. We'll find out yeah. what that is here in a second. He is also a longtime student of Zen Buddhism, and his studies in complexity theory have led to interdisciplinary collaborations in fields such as integrative medicine, uh, consciousness studies, and science religion dialogue. And he lives in New York City. There you go. Uh, welcome to the show, Neil. How are you? Oh, thanks. I'm very good. How are you? There you go. I am good. You can you can tell I never went to college and I flunked second grade. So uh, I was having trouble with the big words there, like through. Uh, what is an interstitium? And did I do I pick that up from someone in interstitium? Interstitium. Um, interstitium. So it means uh, the stuff that's in between, and um, uh, in bodies, <laughs> um, it's usually been referred to like spaces, tiny spaces between cells. Some cells have little gaps between them, so it's an interstitial space. Huh. Um, and then slightly bigger than that, we've known, you know, since we had microscopes that around capillaries, 
There are little spaces through which nutrients come into tissues and waste products go out of the tissues. So that's an interstitium. Mm -hmm. What we discovered um, back in 2018, um, and the news sort of hailed it as a possible new organ, um, that all the connective tissue of your body, all your collagen has spaces in it that we hadn't recognized before that are fluid filled. And so there's a fluid filled network through the body, basically that's four times the size of the cardiovascular system. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and it's a signaling pathway probably through the body for cells, molecules, cancer can travel through it, infections mm -hmm. can travel through it. So it's a pretty big bit of anatomy that no one had ever really noticed. Hmm. Maybe that's where all my vodka stays. It could well be. Yeah. But I'm strange. also, my, my subspecialty in liver is liver pathology. So we could oh, always so go down that rabbit hole if you wanted to. Uh, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's get some plugs in for your book first. Okay, uh, sure. So what, uh, dot coms, wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs to get to know you better. Um, I have a website, neilfeesofficial.com. Mm-hmm. I used to have neilfeast.com, but I'm sort of naive about these things and I lost it. Oh, no. For where it went. Yeah. So neilfeastofficial.com. And that has um, links to all my prior videos before I turned all this stuff into a book. Uh, the complexity theory stuff I do, I've been talking about for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. so the videos online relating to that go back two decades. And then subsequent interviews since the book has come out. Um, are, are accumulating there and uh and future things that i'm going to do that's where i'm going to be posting them there you go the book is titled notes on complexity a scientific theory of connection consciousness and being so give us a give us a a foundation of what is complexity theory i guess yeah so um complexity theory is basically uh, the scientific theory that came out of the 20th century, 1970s, 1980s, is when it really sort of uh, percolated up and, and became prominent. And it's how we uh, basically can think about where life comes from, how life happens, how living things organize themselves into larger things. And um, so how ants form ant colonies, how people form neighborhoods, cultures, economies, mm -hmm. how all the life on earth forms the entire ecosystem of the planet, uh, how cells form tissues and organs. So anything that we consider living, uh, complexity theory is the fairly simple, actually, despite the name, uh, mathematics that describes how that organization, that self-organization happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. And, and, you know, everyone has at least heard of quantum physics and theory of relativity. And quantum physics describes, you know, the, the minute, most infinitesimal parts of existence and is completely non-intuitive, which mm -hmm. makes it notoriously difficult to understand. And relativity, on the other hand, describes everything at the biggest scales. Complexity is what spans everything in between it, oh. including where life happens. So, yeah. There yeah. you go. We had we had an author who wrote about Einstein recently, so we did the relativity thing. So now we're just Thank doing you. we're just doing the full spectrum of the shows. Yeah. Um, so why is this a theory? Because it seems to me like everything is pretty complex. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's, I I have a hard time challenging on that whole thing because uh, you know I've seen the universe, eh? Uh, and uh, it seems you know there's a couple levels pretty, that are going on. It's pretty complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first off, there's a difference between complicated and complex, uh. <laughs> right? So. Um, 
So what we mean in part by complexity is that, um, you know, things that are simple like a clock or a car, if you take it apart and you get all the pieces, mm -hmm. um, you can put them back together again and you'll get the same clock and the same car. Mm -hmm. Nothing more, nothing less. And if you're a really good engineer, you can look at the pieces and figure out that if you put them together, you would get a clock or a car or something like that. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the parts um, are exactly equivalent to the whole, and the whole is exactly equivalent to the parts. The two mm -hmm. define each other. Mm -hmm. But in complexity, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, as they say. Huh. And you can't predict on the basis of what you know about the parts. Like if you know everything about how ants interact, you can't uh. predict what the colony is going to be. If you know everything about how cells interact, you still can't predict what the living thing will look like and how it will behave. Uh. Now, there's another theory um, that covers similar sorts of things. That's chaos theory. Mm -hmm. And and some of your listeners may have heard about that. That's much more well known than complexity. And there also, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And hmm. the value of having a theory um, in these cases is that you can computer model these things. Hmm. And in terms of chaos, an example would be the weather. So you can know about everything you want to know about water molecules and air molecules, you know, oxygen and carbon dioxide, et cetera. Um, but you can't intuit what the weather's going to do. But now we have these models that actually compared to 20, 30, 40, 70 years ago, we're actually pretty good at knowing what the next hours of the day look like, what the next few days of the week look like. Yeah. We can tell, you know, when hurricanes are likely to happen and we can pick them before, pick them up before we, we spot them. And that's because we have this theory that you can apply as a computer model and it makes predictions. So in chaos, the predictions are pretty accurate, but in complexity, as I said, there's always some little randomness in the system that makes it impossible to predict. And that's the hallmark of living things. Ah. That we can't predict them. Uh, you know, for, for the last few centuries, we talk about bodies as machines, um, mm -hmm. making them sound like they're predictable. We have Newtonian mechanics, which sort of made it seem like if you know everything in the universe at this moment, then the future is laid out. There are no questions. There's no free will because everything just happens the way it's going to. But what we now understand with complexity is there's always sort of a, a, a low-level degree of randomness in every living system, hmm. and that means you can you can predict what the next what the possibilities are for the next moment, huh. but you can never predict which possibility is going to be the next moment, and that's what keeps us on our toes. But that's also where the ability to choose adaptive responses comes from—the creativity ah. that keeps us alive and comes from that randomness. And probably helps us in survival mode, right? Because yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, like when we get something like COVID comes at us and has potential, it killed a lot of people and has the potential to had the potential to kill more because it was so overwhelming it, for our hospitals immediately. Um, you know, we had to adapt, right? Right, right. And if we didn't, then you know things might not work out. Hi, folks, here's Foss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching, speaking, 
and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, and be sure to check out Chris Voss Leadership Institute.com. Now back to the show. Right. And and there's an example of if everyone was thinking about disease and healthcare and medicine exactly the way they were the day before, mm-hmm. we'd have been screwed. Yeah. <laughs> it required new ideas. And you can't always tell where those new ideas are going to come from. You know, yeah. some of them come from the bottom up. Some of them mm-hmm. come from the top down. And th- that's another hallmark of complexity is it's bottom-up stuff. Yeah. So you look at an ant colony, it looks like someone has planned where the food lines are going and where the cemetery is and, you know, et cetera. But in fact, it's just the ants interacting down here at the local scale that lead to all these complex structures. And that's the magic of complexity. And that's where the, the modeling comes in and the mathematics comes in. And the implications that go beyond just science. Yeah. It takes you to sort of philosophy and consciousness and religion and stuff. One thing I always looked at at, at models um, is, you know, out of the box and trying to look at things out of the box. I remember being a kid and just seeing the whole world and the complexity of it and just thinking, holy shit, there's a lot to take in. Um, and you're like, where do I start? Where do I yeah. finish? And, um, and so uh, it's interesting. Um, so as you study it and as you dress it, you're you're doing this for a lot of different things. Uh, it's interesting that you say, you know, the sum of the parts are bigger, or the the sum of the parts are the bigger whole than is the greater than the sum of the parts. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I let my kidney run the show one time on the podcast, <laughs> and it did not go well. No. We're still trying to get the smell yeah. out of the mic. Yeah. Um, the uh, but no, I, I I get that. It's kind of interesting um, to me. I was I was supposed like when I was a kid we took apart my dad's uh, watch, his mm-hmm. favorite watch, and uh, we were this kid, so uh, it didn't go back together. <laughs> but I bet he could take it to a watchmaker. <laughs> he could. Uh, I think he'd be, he mostly just beat us silly, which we deserve. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. very upset about it. We thought we'd he'd be so proud of us. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a case where the uh, parts the 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 before we started talking about <laughs> the whole it, became less the than whole, the parts. <laughs> yeah. In the end, we certainly changed. Hey, put that in your theory box, scientists. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that means. Um, you can call that the to children theory, maybe. I don't know. Um, well, kid, th- kids are chaos. also kids are also kind of a demonstration of that low-level randomness in the system. Talk to any parent about how unpredictable their lives have become, but also how they have to think on their feet Yeah, and, and come up with new ways to do things to keep the whole family enterprise going. And they do. Yeah. But it's, it's not, you know, an example would be, um, so the parents in that case might pat themselves on the back and go, oh, we're really so smart. But the fact is, it's the craziness of the kids that's driving the parents to become creative. Um, did you ever see the Beatles anthology from the BBC? I don't think I did. It was 10 hours of interviews with the Beatles covering their entire history. Wow. And yeah, it's really, if you're a Beatles fan, it's like the, the ultimate. How much and, of it um, Yoko Yono? 
No, Pardon? I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I got hit by a car, and someone gave me the complete set of the the <laughs> DVD. So I watched the whole thing. Wow. And the Beatles were really clear. If you're a Beatles fan, you think, "Wow, the Beatles were the most creative band ever." Sergeant Pepper and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but if you listen to the Beatles, they over and over talk about how their creativity was driven by the fans. Oh, wow. That their fans were behaving in ways that required them to come up with new ways to react. So when the screaming of the girls got so loud they couldn't hear themselves play, they decided they had to make an album that couldn't be taken on tour. And that's how they came up with, with Sgt. Pepper. And they, they're very clear. Their creativity was bottom-up, coming from the fans. Yeah. So, and that's a complexity thing. You know, you, so we're experiencing complexity all the time. That's why when I, I talk about it, you know, I, I give lectures on it to science crowds, and that's fairly straightforward, though they, they usually haven't heard about it either, you know, in, in the medical world, for example. But I also give talks on it to fifth-grade classes, to... Mm people in yoga centers and it's just really intuitive because it's what we see all around us yeah but like what i just said with the parents and the kids it's a way of framing it that makes you sort of appreciate what's going on here that there's there actually is a process um and everywhere you look you see the same processes mm -hmm. It's um, almost like math sometimes, isn't it? Seem like well, it, except that with math, what we expect is you put in some numbers into an equation and you always pop out the same answer. Yeah, two plus two equals four. Yeah. Although I know some people that will argue with you on that. Well, and then I, I, I could make some good arguments against that idea too. But yeah. the the let me let me can I dig into this randomness thing Please a little do. bit yeah. example? Please I I, do. I think this makes it clear. So when you look at an ant line. It looks mm -hmm. like a food line of ants. It looks like a straight line. Mm -hmm. um, and the ants are going back and forth, carrying the sugar cube back to the, the colony. But if you bend down and look more closely, there's always a few ants that aren't following the line. Mm -hmm. So those look like ants just that aren't getting the message, right? They're just sort of evolutionarily poorly adapted. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it turns out that those ants are the ones that if you step your foot in the middle of the food line, the ants in the food line are still trying to do what they do. It's those divergent ants that are the ones that quickly find the fastest route around your foot or are finding a new food source so that when this one runs out, they're ready to go to set up a new food line to that food source. Little so, fuckers are multitasking. No, well, they're, they're just busy being the creative wing of the, of the oh. colony, you know? So if there's too much randomness in the system, too much unpredictability, there's no food line, there's no organization, <laughs> the colony, you know, that's anarchy. Yeah, they're just back at the anthill smoking dope. Yeah. And, right, exactly, know. exactly. But if there's too little, then there's no way to explore new territory that the, the colony has to figure out, whether it's a more rapid root around your foot or a new food source so you know you need this low level randomness and what that low level randomness is it creates the possibilities for the next moment um most of those will be adaptive some of them won't and you'll step off the ledge into chaos or just rigid machine-like order and that's when death happens there you so go. you don't want the, that and this is where complexity sort of gets right into the philosophy side of things because the the this low level unpredictability that makes you a living adaptive thing
mm-hmm. necessitates mathematically that sometimes a piece of you or all of you is going to die. There's going to be a mass extinction event. Yeah. I'm 55, man. I wake up every morning. Something's died. I, I, <laughs> I had a couple of strokes three months ago. <laughs> oh, sorry. I had a couple of little mass extinctions up here, yeah. but we're adapting. We're adapting. <laughs> they were partial yeah. events. So. Yeah. That's yeah. what, that's why I drink coffee. That's my adaptive juice. Right. Yeah. I call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this, you know, I, we, I see this stuff in, in people who create conspiracies. We see it in a lot of our world today. You know, uh, you know. of course, uh, JFK and JFK Jr. is running the country, according to some people, uh, flat earthers. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we see it in religion. Um, and where people seem to want to, you, you tell me if I'm wrong here. This is my theory. Uh-huh. And my theory is that some people, the world is just so complex and it's scary to them, part of because of that survival, you know, uh-huh. and death can come in a moment. It, they're overwhelmed by the complexity, uh-huh. and so they 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 log on to or latch on to um, simple simple things, you know uh-huh. that that make that make no sense. But but then the simplicity of them for the simplistic mind for the Dunning Kruger <laughs> crowd, um, it, it's it's easier. Just and it's it's maybe laziness. It's maybe it's a I don't know. Maybe it's just they just don't want to. You know, like like imagining the, the there's a horrific hurricane and Mother Nature is so evil that uh, I mean, and, and, and she's not really evil. She's doing her thing. You know, Just we're we're thing, probably man. the visitors actually here, and uh, uh, but but the horrors of that and seeing you know the the death that takes place is you know, and we have that with COVID uh, as an example. Uh-huh. You know, people people couldn't realize that maybe you know there was there was just there's just some evil pathogens out there and, uh, and they don't like us. And maybe, you know, the earth is getting sick of us. I think George Carlin used to do a joke about that. She's trying to get rid of us at this point. Um, so is that theory true that there are some people that they have such a hard time dealing with the complexity of life and everything else. They, they have to try and go with the simplistic route. Uh, sure. I think so. And I, and I think that's always going on, but I think there's something more going on in our current circumstances. Um, and again, complexity theory, I think gives a window on that. Mm-hmm. So one of the simple mathematical things that I can easily explain about complexity is that um, living things have to have feedback loops inside them that help them keep a steady level of organization. So your body temperature always oscillates within a normal range, right? Um, your hunger comes, your hunger goes, etc. And um, the, what are called negative feedback loops have to predominate, and not negative, not as in bad. Negative as in uh, it's sort of bringing things back before they get too far out of range. So you think about an air. I'm gesturing to my air conditioner. <laughs> you think about an air conditioner. Uh, the temperature goes up. The air conditioner turns on. Um, the temperature comes down again, the air conditioner turns off. So you have this oscillation in a healthy, comfortable zone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can have positive feedback loops, which an example would be if the, air, if the temperature of the room gets hotter, the heater turns on. And mm-hmm. the hotter it gets, the higher the, the temperature gets. And there's a role for that. Think about when you get a fever, right? Mm-hmm. You want your body temperature going up because that helps get your immune system to fight off whatever the infection is. Yeah. But then you have to have the negative feedback loops coming in 
bringing things back down. Mm -hmm. If if positive feedback loops predominate, then you get larger scale structures, but instead of being creative and adaptive, like a complex system, they become energy expending, they grow rapidly and then collapse. Mm. So think about cancer in the body, think about economic bubbles, um, grow rapidly and then collapse and you have a, a recession or a depression. Yeah, good example. So I think what's going on, to be honest, with currently people, yeah, there's always an urge. You want a simpler explanation for things. Mm -hmm. But now where do people get their information? They're getting it on the internet. And <laughs> it used to be when the internet first formed, all these ideas got thrown up and community response sort of drove things towards community ideas of truth. You know, news came on the radio and the way people would, or on the TV and people would talk about them and people would go, no, that sounds crazy. Um, or that sounds good. Walter Cronkite, he's believable. That guy, not. And so you developed, uh, you know, there was, uh, those were negative feedbacks on the way information got produced and it mm. kept within a range of believability. But now, once they started coming up with algorithms that mm -hmm. guided you to information that reinforced what you're believing, regardless of truth, mm -hmm. and that's on Facebook and on Instagram and on TikTok, et cetera, those algorithms are sort of like the positive feedback loops mm. and driving this. It's like a cancer or an economic bubble, but it's a cancer of information. Yeah. And so now you're getting, there's tremendous energy, <laughs> you know, um, but it's also wild. There's no adaptation there. It's just yeah. wild. And what's going to happen eventually is the whole thing collapses. Well, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope I'm not there when that happens. Uh, I, that's, that's always sort of my default. I'm 64 <laughs> now and I'm like, okay. Just, but when I think about my niece and my nephew and my, my, great nephews and i'm like oh <laughs> that's all with that problem. boys <laughs> yeah. that's what i tell mine i'm like i'm out have yep. fun with that uh -huh. your problem now have fun with that ball uh you know and and uh i don't know there's there there's also i guess the flip side of what i'm saying uh, as a suggestion to why people sometimes have a hard time facing reality where simple things they make complex like if you ever talk to anybody who talks about QAnon um i mean there's a whole i mean you almost need to go to college to follow it all it's a it's a whole yeah. elaborate and it has so many branches and and <clears throat> yet yet it, it can come down to simple like uh yeah somebody just didn't win the election buddy right right um, but but, yeah. but but exactly there so you have that image of this tangle of ideas that's growing right mm -hmm. now you can either have a um a nicely tended garden or a nicely tended ecosystem where things mm -hmm. keep each other in check mm -hmm. or you have an invasive an invasive species come in mm -hmm. and you get tremendous growth but mm -hmm. it's just a crazy tangle that eats up all the oxygen in the room yeah right so and so i think QAnon is an example of that of course it's wildly productive of all <laughs> sorts of stuff but there are no feedbacks to check like is this crazy is this crazier <laughs> is this less crazy does this make sense and it's uh, again back to the information thing. It's an invasive species of information. There you go, feedback loop. And and when you're uh, when the uh, what, what is it when the uh, when the when the crazies are running the sanitarium, 
uh, you know, basics sort of thing. But I, I can see how, like, I've seen this with uh, different religions and cults that are wacky. And it's almost like they use the complexity of it by building complexity as a way to form truth or reality. Am I right? right. Am sure. I on the right track with that? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so, uh, you know, I'm. Uh, you said I'm a Buddhist. I'm also uh, an observant Jew, and I've got a few other religions thrown into the mix. And there you go. um, and that's partly what the book is about. That, yeah. that this, where the science leads, in part, is to it's it's not to an atheist perspective. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Um, but the thing is that religions and spiritual practices, like anything else humans organize, can be used for good or for ill. Yeah. Um, in Buddhism, uh, the Buddha is said to have um, commented that everything is medicine and everything is poison. And I think that's true. That's uh, my vodka again. We're using this. Yeah, exactly. For this well, show. you know, if, if, <laughs> if, if you're just kicking back with the vodka day after day after day, bad. You say that like it's hand, a bad thing, yeah. If you've got a bottle of vodka on you, you're in the middle of the wilderness and you, you know, fall off a cliff and you've got this open wound, douse it with vodka, it'll keep you from getting infected and you may ah. live to get out of that, right? So everything's medicine, everything's poison. I, I think religion is exactly the same thing. There are ways uh -huh. in which um, it can lead to an understanding of the true nature of reality but if people get in control of that and see it as a way of manipulating things and conning people out of their money and their labor and et cetera, then you've got a means of social control that's malignant. Um, there you go. Uh, the you problem know, is the people. <laughs> it's, always, it's always the people. It's always the people. The problem is always the people. It, it, uh, I, I always say this. Uh, what's the line that I always use? The The... The problem with the human beings is the humans are no. It's something along the. I, I can't remember the line I used. Somebody was right the other day. They're like, like, why is it human beings uh, are, do, do the worst things? And I'm like, human beings are the worst people. That's it. That's my line. <laughs> human beings are the worst people worst there people. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. my line. Yeah. Uh, that's why I like dogs. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you know, we talk a, a little bit about business on the show and leadership mm -hmm. and and building companies and entrepreneurism. How can this be applied to, to leaders and companies and businesses? And, you know, businesses are complex. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So, um, exactly, they are. And so, so first off, you know, a mistake um, in leadership often comes when you think that if you're at the top, that means you are absolutely in control and you're monitoring everything that's going on. Yeah, I used to and think you that. think you can't be surprised because you know you've got your eyes on everything. <laughs> There's always something you're not seeing. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, and the scotomas. Yeah, yeah. The blind so, spots. So, um, the recognition that in fact creativity comes from the bottom hmm. usually doesn't come from the top. Mean, really? Yeah. So, I mean, a company will start with an individual who has an amazingly creative idea, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then they start to develop a, a company around that, and it builds and builds and builds. Um, but then eventually, you know, it can't make the leap. So, uh, you know, what do I know about business? I'm a liver pathologist, but I think about IBM mm -hmm. was running the computer world until suddenly it wasn't, and there was Microsoft. 
Yeah. Microsoft that it was running the world until it wasn't because there was Apple. Mm -hmm. Now they found ways to survive, but that was usually the people who were overly rigid at the top get axed because why weren't you paying attention? <laughs> we weren't innovating. We stopped innovating because we thought we knew. Mm -hmm. um, and then you turn to what's going on in your laboratories down here and you go, oh, there's some really cool ideas. I think with, one of the things Steve Jobs was really good at was cultivating uh, a community of innovation within mm -hmm. the company, right? Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is this notion that regulation is a lack of freedom and therefore you know, strangles a company. Well, too mm -hmm. much is because then there's no randomness in the system if you strangle it, right? Yeah. But if you don't have some regulation, like, uh, you know, you, you look at the American economic system, but this would be true on the, on the smaller scale for any company. Um, you take off all the guardrails on how the banking industry goes, and the result of that is you get the Great Depression. So they add on the Glass-Steagall Act to control banking, not to eliminate it, but to bring it negative feedback loops that are healthy. And then we have an economy that can deal with World War II, an economy that can deal with the 1950s. It's chugging along pretty well and handling major problems mm. along the way until we get into the 70s and 80s when both Democrats and Republicans start stripping away the regulations. Mm. What happens? We have the Great Recession in 2008. Yeah. So we have the Dodd-Frank things and they start mm -hmm. coming back in with, you could look at it as limiting your freedom, but what it really is, is healthy negative feedbacks to keep things from going crazy. Yeah. And then now we start eroding those and what happens? Yeah, we have another one. Yeah. Right. So that's working in, you know, you can see that at work in companies, you can see that at work in, uh, political systems. You have too much freedom and you get anarchy and you don't have a working an economy. But you have too, if you have too much freedom, but if you have too little freedom, uh, think about the Soviet Union, it crumbled because it was holding things too rigidly. There was no way to come up with novel hmm. solutions when the environment changed. And you so that would go back. Advance, right? And so what, if I'm correct in, in understanding you, uh, that would go back to what you're talking about kind of with the ants, right? Yeah, it's exactly the yeah. same thing. Wow. And this is kind of the amazing thing about complexity. It's like, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about microscopic cells or ants or economies or businesses or what's going on in a classroom mm -hmm. um, or a global ecosystem or the local ecosystem. It's all the same thing. Mm -hmm. So when, when, uh, what people often come back to me and my experience um, of learning about complexity is once I sort of understand the terms and the basic concepts, which you know, I've, I've given you half of them, but they're pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. um, you walk outside and you just see it everywhere. How is it that people are walking down the street um, in orderly rows without bumping into each other? I live in New York City. Can you hear the sirens? Yeah. Should we pause for a moment? I mean, sure. <laughs> um, so let them get out of the way. Yeah, unless they're, they're coming for to get you. They, unless they're, they're looking for you, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, 
So I'm walking to, you know, I, I open chapter two of the book with what it's like when I walk out on the street in the morning to go to work in the spring. And spring is happening and leaves are budding on the trees. Well, that's complexity, how yeah. the tree is soaking up atoms and molecules from the environment, the ground, the water, the air, the sunlight, and turning it into leaves. And how robins are on the front lawn in front of my building, and you can see them cocking their ears to go after a worm. Do you know why they're able to get a worm when they, when they do that? Why? It's because they're not listening for a single worm. It turns out worms are self-organized into herds as a complex system. So the robins are listening for the herds of worms. This explains so, the QAnon thing. Yeah. So they don't exactly. So they don't have to like get that one worm. They just wait for the herd and like reach in, and they're likely and to get one. Yeah. And then I get out into the sidewalk, and we're New Yorkers. You know, this one's on their phone. That one's holding a baby. This one's listening to their their uh, their phone. <laughs> you someone's know. getting mugged. Someone's getting Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yet we're all walking down the street without bumping into each other. Yeah. How does that happen? Um. <clears throat> I'll give you an example um, of how, yeah, what you see in ants turns out to be everywhere. Wow. I was on a um, trip to Japan for a medical meeting, and I had an afternoon off in Kyoto, and I was sitting in a Japanese garden, beautifully manicured, and there was this wisteria branch with these beautiful purple flowers hanging down. And I looked at it, I saw something moving, and there were two rows of ants going up on the outside and one row of ant coming down, mm -hmm. ants coming down. And I thought, oh, that's a little bit like complexity. And then I came home and was going to work uh, a little bit different route than I usually do a few days later. And I got out of the train station at Delancey in Essex. And the stairway is a little wider there than most stairway systems. And it was rush hour. And mm -hmm. what I saw were two rows of people going up the outside and one row of people coming down the inside. Exactly <laughs> like the ant. But no one was thinking, how do I walk along this you know, staircase like an ant? Huh? None of the ants were paying attention to each other. None of the humans were. And yet on some level we were and we self-organized like that. Wow. That's Man. the complexity theory thing. It's like once you learn it, you can't unsee it. Flocks of birds in the sky... Yeah. You know, just look at your your body and what the cells are doing inside. It's all the same thing. Wow, that's I'm going to be seeing everything that way. You fucked me up now. I... Yeah, 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 that's my intent. You know, you don't I have see. to read the whole book; just read the first two chapters. You'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been really insightful, man, and uh, we learned lots of things, and that's why I love the show. Uh, give us what you uh, hope people come away from on the book, and uh, final plugs there. Um. You know, as I as I joked earlier, but not entirely. What's it about? It's about the universe. Um, I I think it's it's to be able to look at things that we have intuitions about and understanding them. It's all really very simple, mm -hmm. but with a little bit of heightened awareness and a little bit of heightened understanding, we can think about what we're doing. And you know, so many things we we put them in the political realm and go, this is a political question and everyone gets very angry, etc. And it's not, it's mm -hmm. just ants. <laughs> Are we behaving <laughs> like ants or aren't we? Do we want a healthy system? A little bit more negative feedback loops. Mm -hmm. um, is it too rigid? Are we get, getting no creativity because we're, well, loosen it up a little bit. 
uh, it allows us to, to see that the solutions to a lot of our problems are not political questions. Um, I, I'd love to see this stuff taught. I've taught this to fifth graders and they get yeah. it. Yeah, my, my nephew asked me uh, to come to his class when he was in the fifth grade. This was about 20 years ago. And um, so they had me come in the last period of the day. And uh, the teachers wound up calling all the parents because they were holding the school buses because the kids had so many questions. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. So it, um, it's it's a new way of understanding. Well, it's, it's new to us. <laughs> it's been around yeah. for a while. Um, but I think it's a way to look at the world that helps you find ways to be creative and resilient. Um, it's not just science, you know, mm -hmm. it's not just, oh, I know a few facts. It's, it's a way to move through the world and understand one's place in the world There you and, go. and how maybe to improve the world. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be looking at it from a leader aspect and a business aspect. And I've always been like a try and think out of the box sort of person where I'm always trying to look at things for new paradigms. Uh, I'm always trying to figure out what scotomas I have, the blind spots yeah. that chapter three might be holding me. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm always really. trying to figure all this stuff. I, I will read it. Um, okay. it's, uh, it's important to me. Um, and yeah, life is, life is complex. Like I read one time about all the work that my body's doing all the time, you know, the pumping of the blood and moving the vodka around. Yeah. And, that and it ain't top down. You're not going, wait a second, send more blood there. Wait a second. So if yeah. you were, you'd die. <laughs> yeah. you know? I thought I read about all the stuff that goes on or most of it. I don't think there's a way to read about all of it, but most of it. And I was like, uh, man, I'm tired. I ain't going to take a nap, man. There's a lot of work going on over <laughs> exactly. here, man. But even when you took a nap, it yeah. all went on from the bottom up. Your body was adapting and changing and reacting. And that's just complexity. Yeah. It sounds, you know, complexity sounds complicated, but it's yeah. not. It's actually just kind of simple and beautiful. Most of the bottom up was coming from the Taco Bell the night before. Anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Neil, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun and interesting. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you as well. Uh, give us a .com, wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs, please. NeilThiesOfficial.com. Or just go to Amazon and buy the book. Buy the book, damn it. Go to Amazon. <laughs> You don't even have to read it. Just buy the book. You can check it out there <laughs> and all that good stuff. So, folks, uh, order the book wherever fine books are sold. Available May 9th, 2023. Notes on complexity, a scientific theory of connection, consciousness, and being. I mean, that's what we all want. We want to be more connected, more conscious, and being, and probably more present, too. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Hell, it's uh, whatever. I'm on there. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. And